We hope you like this Resurrection Oakland Church podcast. Unauthorized use of any part of this copyrighted material for redistribution or duplication is not permitted without prior consent from Resurrection Oakland Church. To learn more about our church and its charity and mission work in and around Oakland, California, please visit our website at www.resoakland.com. John 13. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not every one was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God. You can take your seats. Well, good morning. Welcome again to Resurrection Oakland. Uh, my name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here. And if I haven't had the chance to meet you, I would love to meet you after the service and learn your name. We are continuing a sermon series uh, that is tracing the the life of Peter, and we're calling this series A Portrait of the Christian Life. And the reason we're calling this The Portrait of the Christian Life is because Peter gives us a wonderful picture of a ordinary Christian life. There's so many things that Peter goes through that every Christian goes through, and we've been learning important lessons about the Christian life as we've been looking at his life. Last Sunday, we looked at how Peter learned to persevere in his faith, even when 
that the temptation to give up and leave God was strong, when he didn't understand what God was doing, when hard things were being said and hard things were happening. Uh, This morning, we're going to uh, look at what Peter learns about holiness. Now, one of the primary metaphors that the Bible uses to describe holiness is this idea of cleanliness, and it's prevalent in the Old Testament and even in the New Testament. Uh, when, when the Bible talks about holiness, it describes holiness as being clean, and if, if, if you are lacking holiness, that is described as being unclean. And this is a powerful metaphor because across time, across cultures, uh, everybody has loved being clean and everybody hates being dirty. That's why cleaning product industry is very, very successful. Can you guess how much money the global house cleaning products industry made in 2021? A uh, billion dollars, ten billion dollars, a hundred billion dollars, two hundred and thirty-five billion dollars. Now, can you guess which cleaning product sold the most? Was it the to- toilet cleaning supplies? Was it the surface cleaning supplies? Was it the dish soap? Well, the number one cleaning product in the world ha- over the past several years has been laundry detergent. Laundry detergent. Uh, we, we can tolerate a dirty house, but we cannot tolerate s- smelling bad when we go outside, right? Uh, laundry detergent's personal. We, 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 we want the clothes that we wear to be clean, uh, and it's the, 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 the one thing that people can observe most easily about how clean or unclean we are. Now, no one approaches laundry uh, when, when nobody thinks that the way I'm going to keep my laundry clean is I'm going to go outside and today I'm going to avoid all dirt and I'm going to avoid all sweat. The way that we clean laundry is not by avoiding dirt or sweat. The way that we clean laundry is by washing it. And today in this passage, Jesus is saying is that, that the same thing is true of your conscience, your heart, and your life that you are not going to feel clean, you are not going to be clean by avoiding sin, avoiding brokenness, avoiding temptation, avoiding all these things that make you feel dirty or wrong, but that the only way that you're going to be clean is if you are washed. And he's going to show us how he is the only one that can wash us. Now, every religion basically says, here is the way to be clean. Here's the way that you get washed. And every religion says, you have to do it yourself. Follow these rules. Do this, and you will feel clean. And Jesus says, no, you cannot clean yourself. You have to let me clean you. And so we're going to wrestle with this passage, unpack what Jesus is teaching us as we look at three questions Three questions that Peter and the disciples are asking either explicitly or implicitly. And here are the three questions. Why Jesus? Why feet? And why us? So let's start with the first question. Why Jesus? The first thing that we hear Peter saying comes to us in verse 6. Jesus has been washing everybody's feet. He comes to Peter. He kneels down, and before he can start, Peter says, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? In verse 6. And what Peter is saying in this question is not so much, Jesus, 
I don't need to have my feet washed. What he's saying is, why are you doing it? Jesus, anybody could be washing my feet. Why you? He's objecting to Jesus doing the, the foot washing. He's saying, Jesus, why you? See, foot washing was a common practice in the ancient world. Uh, people walked around with open-toe sandals and on unpaved roads, on dirt roads that they shared with animals. And so when you went to a special meal, like the Passover meal, which is uh, what's happening in our passage today, the, 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 the hospitable thing to do, a, a good and gracious host, what they would do is provide servants to wash everybody's feet. Uh, because the way that people ate in the ancient world was they, they didn't sit on chairs, the tables were ground level, they sat on the ground and they reclined as they ate, which, mean, which meant that the foot of the person sitting next to you was near your face, right? And so having clean feet as you ate was extremely important and it was common for hosts to provide servants. And the interesting thing about this period is that Although servants were the only ones allowed to wash feet, Jewish servants were not allowed to wash feet because it was too demeaning. It was so dis too disgusting. It was too lowly. And so Peter, what he's thinking is, even a Jewish servant is not allowed to wash my feet. Jesus, how could I possibly let you wash my feet? You are too great. You are above this. Great people do not wash feet. They have their feet washed. Great people do not kneel down on the floor. They sit at the table. See, Peter had an understanding of Jesus' greatness that was not yet complete. Peter thought that Jesus was going to be the king of Israel. Uh, but, of course, Jesus would be even more than that. He would be the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And great people don't wash feet. The sight of Jesus kneeling to wash feet didn't make sense to Peter. And if we're honest, it doesn't make sense to us either because this would never happen in our time either. Can you imagine Elon Musk washing the feet of his employees? Can you imagine the, the, the powerful politicians of our city, our state, our country washing the feet of their, of their aides? Let's make this personal. How about you? What if you walk outside church today and a random person comes up to you with filthy feet, they're not wearing shoes, there's all kinds of mysterious stuff on their feet, and they say, can you please wash my feet? How many of you would do it? Not me, right? Why, 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 why do we have this reaction it's because when we do dirty work, any kind of dirty work, whether it's washing someone's other feet or something else that is undesirable, we feel demeaned, we feel inferior. See, there's only three reasons why people do dirty work. They do dirty work because they're cleaning up their own mess. They do it because they have to, it's their job. Or they do it out of love. They do it out of love. You know who does Dirty work willingly, parents do. Think about all the ways that babies make a mess. They, they vomit, they have leaky diapers, they do all sorts of things that are really messy. When a, when a, now, a good parent, when their baby makes a mess, will not say, well, hold on while I call somebody to, to clean this up. They don't say, hey, baby, clean up your own mess. 
right? A good parent will dive in because they, they love their child. They love their baby. They will not hesitate. They will go in. They will roll up their sleeves. They will clean the mess, even though they know the mess is going to get on them. So why Jesus? Why is Jesus cleaning the feet at this dinner? Because love gets low. Love gets low. This whole passage starts with the words, look at verse 1, having loved his own who are in the world, he loved them to the end. Jesus was having his last supper with his disciples before his, Jesus was having his last supper with his disciples before his crucifixion, and he wanted to show them his love, not just tell them about his love, but to show them his love. And the best way to do it was by getting low. Love looks at a mess and says, this is not my fault, but I take responsibility for it because I love the person who made it too much. Love puts pride and status aside. Love puts privilege aside and gets down and dirty to clean up the most shameful, the most nasty parts of our lives. So the reason that we sometimes find it hard to see God at work in our lives, have you ever felt that way? Have you ever wondered, God, I believe in you, and I see you at work, but I don't see you at work in my life. There, there, there is a, a, a thing that I have brought to you over and over again, and you haven't, it feels like you're not hearing me. See, we, we get into these spaces where we find it hard to see God at work, and we think it's because God is too high, but it's actually because he is too low. So when we mess up, we think God is up there shaking his head at us when he's actually beneath our feet, beneath us, washing our feet. When we are suffering, we think God is up there pulling the strings when he's actually beneath us, washing our feet. When we are struggling with loneliness and rejection, we feel like God is up there and he is so far away when he's actually beneath us washing our feet. And when you see this, when you see that God is not too far or for too distant, but too near and too low, it will change the way you experience God in your hurt, in your failure, in your unmet desires. It will change the way that you look at your life. It will change the way that you look at the world. And so what does it look like to look for God beneath you and near you. Well, to understand that, we have to understand why Jesus chose to wash their feet. This brings us to our second question, why feet? Why feet? The first thing Peter said to Jesus is, Lord, you are going to wash my feet. Are you going to do it? And the second thing he says is, no, you shall never wash my feet. Now, this is not a question, but the unspoken question behind this statement is, Jesus, why my feet? See, when, once Peter figured out he was not going to talk Jesus out of this, the second thought that gripped his mind was, oh man, I wish I washed my feet before coming here. My feet are nasty. 
It's true. Now, decades, decades ago, in a former life when I was, I was a youth pastor, we had youth group, we were, we, and uh, as, as many churches do, we had a foot washing ceremony after reading this passage. And uh, all the teachers and I, we all washed the, the, the feet of every student, and then we took turns washing each other's feet. And before we could start with the teachers, one of the teachers stood up, raised her hands, and she said, don't worry, I took a shower before getting here. My feet are clean, right? The, the, the ironic thing about a foot washing ceremony is that you, the, the last thing you want is for your feet to actually be dirty. Who wants to let anyone else see their nasty feet? Right? And that's what everybody was thinking. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking, man, I hope my feet are not too bad. Um, and, and, you know, the, some of the teachers are apologetic. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry that you're doing this. And this is what Peter's thinking, and that's what every disciple's thinking. They're thinking, if we knew that Jesus was going to wash our feet, we would have prepared for this. We would have prepared for this. Peter says, no, you shall never wash my feet. Why my feet, Jesus? Why not my hands? Why not something else? Why feet? Jesus could have anointed their heads with oil. You know, that, that was a common greeting uh, for hosts that were hosting a dinner like this. People would be dry because they've been out in the Middle Eastern desert air, and oil would, would refresh them, and he could have anointed them with oil. He could have washed their hands, which was another common custom before eating. Why did Jesus choose to wash their feet? Why feet? because no one can really hide their dirt. No one can really hide their dirt. See, what, what we all try to do is actually wash our dirt, but, but it's impossible. And that's what's happening here when Jesus talks to Peter. Peter, after Jesus says, unless I wash you, you could have no part with me, Peter says, well, then wash my head, wash my body, wash everything. And Jesus says something interesting. He says, you've already had a bath, and so your body is clean, and so all you need is to have your feet washed, and if your feet wash, are washed, you'll be totally clean. What's Jesus saying? He's saying that, he's talking about what people do when they go to parties. When you go to a big social event, you take a shower, you take a bath, you wash up. And that was true then, and it's true now. And so before Passover, every disciple probably took a bath, but on their way to the party, because they were walking on dirt roads, their feet got dirty anyway. And so what's Jesus saying? He's saying you could wash your body with water, but there is a part of you that will always be dirty. And that part of you that is always dirty, only I can clean. There's this great scene in the book Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan, and the main character Christian comes upon the house of the interpreter. And in this house, there's a room that has never been swept before, and so it's caked with dust. And the interpreter calls in a, a servant and says, sweep up the room. And so the servant gets a broom, and he starts sweeping, and all the dust starts flying all throughout the room, and Christian starts choking. He can't breathe. And then Christian asks the interpreter, what was that about? What did that mean? And the interpreter told him, What's happening here is a picture of what happens when you try to clean up your life, clean up your sins through your own efforts. You will not clean yourself. You'll just redistribute the dirt. You'll just move the dirt around. No one can clean themselves. There's a part of us that is so dirty that no one can clean. And when you can't clean yourself, what do you do? You hide the dirt, but it doesn't work. 
When was the last? Have you ever tried to hide your hate? Have you ever tried to hide your anger? Hide your insecurity? Hide your fear? Hide? Hide, hide, hide your brokenness. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. I've, there have been so many times where I'll be talking to a friend or to my children, and I'll say, you know, I was really mad, and they're like, we know that you're mad, right? It doesn't, you cannot hide your dirt, and there's only one person that can clean it. And what Jesus is saying here is you don't need to hide your dirt. You don't need to try to clean yourself up. Show me your feet. Give me your feet. I can make you clean. I don't love you because of how clean you are. I love you in spite of how dirty you are. I don't love just the clean parts of your life. I love the filthy parts of your life. I'm here for all of it, and I want to make you clean. Give me your feet. Let me make you clean. You'll never know the love of God until you show him your feet. See, there's this never-ending cycle of grace in the gospel. When you see the love of Jesus and you first start to believe in Jesus and believe that he loves you, it, it frees you to look at the dirt in your life. And that's what confession is. You see the love of Jesus and your response is, Jesus, how can you love me? Look how dirty I am. And then when that happens, Jesus washes you. He forgives you. And you know what that does? It increases your understanding of the love of Jesus. This is the never-ending cycle of grace. The Christian life is not about progressively needing less and less of God's forgiveness, but it's progressively understanding more and more how much you need God's forgiveness. And when you get caught up in this cycle, it changes everything. What does it change? This brings us to the last thing we're going to look at today. Why us? The last question, why us? After washing his disciples' feet, Jesus asked all his disciples, do you understand what I have done for you? This is in verse 12. And Jesus is saying, do you know what the point of being clean is? Why does God clean us? Does he, he, cleans, he, does he clean us because we need it? Well, yes, we need it. That's why he cleans us. Does he clean us because he loves us? Yes. He cleans us because he loves us. Is that all there is? Is that it? Is there, is there more? Is the Christian life about nothing more than your life and your problems? And Jesus says yes. Look at what he says in verses 13 through 17. He says, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Jesus is saying the point of being clean is not to admire yourself, or to feel good about being clean. The point of being clean is to be sent out to help others become clean. And how does this work? Well, Jesus doesn't give us a manual. He doesn't give us a set of rules to follow. He gives us a picture. He gives us an example. He says, go and love and serve others as I have loved 
and served you in washing your feet. So how did Jesus love his disciples when he washed their feet? How is he telling us to love others? Three ways. Jesus is telling us to get low, to get dirty, and to get clean. And we'll close with this. Get low, get dirty, and get clean. Jesus is telling us to get low. Jesus got low, not because he was unworthy, but because he was so secure in his greatness that he was able to get eye level with people's nasty feet to love them and to serve them. See, you cannot love and serve people if you're looking down at them. You can't love and serve people if you're looking up at them. If you look down on someone, their dirt will seem bigger than it is and worse than it is. You'll get judgy. You'll, you'll say or think things like, I can't believe they did that. If you're constantly looking up at people and you think that they're above you, then you are going to minimize their dirt. Uh, you're going to minimize their problems. When, when someone tries to share their problems or their struggles with you, you're going you're to think, what, you think you have problems? Let me tell you about my problems. You will not be able to help or love or serve that person. The only way to actually love and serve someone is if you are eye level with them. But not eye level with their faces, eye level with their feet, eye level with their dirt. When you are able to look at someone and say, I am just as unworthy as you, I am just as broken as you, I am just as dirty as you, and I am here to be present. I am not above you, I am not beside you, I am with you, and I am not going to let you be alone in this struggle. Then you can really love and serve someone. Love gets low. Jesus is also saying that love gets dirty. He's telling us to get dirty. Do what I did. Notice that Jesus stripped down before he washed his disciples' feet. Why did he do that? Because he knew how messy foot washing can be. He knew that he was going to get dirty. And by the way, one of the interesting things about this passage is that Jesus is the only one that doesn't get washed. Did you notice that? At the end, everybody gets clean feet, and Jesus just puts his clothes back on and sits at the table. Jesus knew that it would be messy, and he wasn't afraid to get dirty. Love gets dirty. And that's one of the most frustrating things about loving and serving people, because we want it to be clean. I help, you're okay, now we're good. Has it ever worked that way? It never works that way. Loving and serving people is messy. People are up and down, just like us. We are up and down. We need a cycle of grace because we are so deeply broken. And so helping and loving and serving people means that it is going to get messy. Now, what would, what would Oakland look like if it was filled with people who were willing to get low and willing to get messy? People who looked at the city and said, the problems of Oakland are not someone else's problems, but they are my problem because they're eye level with the dirt in the city. What would the city look like if it was filled with people who were willing to get dirty, who said, being in the city, living in the city, loving the city, serving the city is so hard and it is so messy, but it's worth it because I love the people here. Would it make a difference? Would it change anything? It would change everything. 
But the last point here that Jesus makes is the most important. He says, not, not only do you need to get low, not only do you need to get dirty, but you need to get clean. There's something disturbing that Jesus says in verse 10. Jesus says to the 12, you are clean, though not every one of you. Then John adds his commentary, the author of this gospel, the gospel of John, he adds, for he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. Jesus was talking about Judas. Judas was there with the 12, enjoying the dinner. Judas had his feet washed by Jesus, but Jesus says, all of you got your feet washed, but not all of you got clean. What does he mean? He's talking about how Judas will ultimately not believe that Jesus could wash away his sin. After Judas betrays Jesus, when he needed to believe this the most, he believed that he could not be washed, he could not be forgiven, he could not be restored, he could not be loved, he could not be redeemed, and so Judas takes his own life. And Jesus is saying, that didn't happen to Judas because of his betrayal. It didn't happen because of his dirt. It, became, it happened because he refused to be clean. He refused to see my love for him. He refused to accept the invitation of forgiveness. See, Jesus is saying, getting low and getting dirty is not going to help you or help anyone else if you aren't letting Jesus wash you. And this is the most important need that every single one of us has in this room, more than anything else. We need to know that we are forgiven, that we're accepted, that we're redeemed, and that we're washed. See, none of us can wash ourselves. And that is a sobering thought. When was the last time that somebody washed you Babies get washed. Patients in hospitals get washed. People get washed when they cannot wash themselves. Being washed by someone, if you're a grown adult, is a humiliating and vulnerable thing. Now, there's three reasons why someone would wash another human being. Because they have to or because they want to. And Jesus is saying, I want to wash you. I see you to the bottom. I see how broken you are. I see what a mess you are. I see how you repeat the same mistakes over and over again. I see how dirty you are. I see your dirt more clearly than you see it yourself, and yet I love you and I want to wash you, I want to wash you even though it means that I will be whipped, I want to wash you even though I know that it means I'll be struck in the mouth, I want to wash you even though it means that I will wear a crown of thorns, I want to wash you even though it means that I'll be nailed to a cross, I want to wash you even though I know it means that a spear will be thrust into my side, I want to wash you, whatever it costs, I will wash you and I will make you clean because I love you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that you are loved in this way? If you are, then it will change you. It will change the way that you see yourself. It will change the way you see other people. It will change the way that you see this city. And this table 
declares the great love of Jesus and the purity that every single one of us can experience in this room, not because we did all the right things, but even though we didn't, because Jesus was crucified to redeem us. He bore our sin on the cross. His body was broken for us. His blood was shed for us. And at this table, Jesus invites us to be washed, to be made new, to know his great love and to be sent out. On the night that the Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it, saying, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he took the cup, and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for many for the forgiveness of sins. And as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Father, we thank you for our great Savior. We thank you that the final word on our lives is not spoken by our sin, our guilt, or shame, our dirtiness, but Lord, that it is defined by your words of forgiveness and acceptance that, and the righteousness of Jesus that is credited to us by faith alone. God, we come to this table with nothing but our need, utterly helpless, confessing that we need you and we thank you that you want to give all of yourself to us at this table. Help us, Lord, to take in your great love, even as we take this bread and this cup, that we would be united with Jesus and with one another, and Lord, that, that we would be changed, that you might use us in this hurting and broken world. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.